thank you so much for, for taking some time to chat, especially while you're on vacation. Now I feel kind of bad. Oh, no, no worries. It was actually more like this was a time we knew we could actually would not be accepting last minute work. (laughs) Fair, fair. Um, Okay, so what we're what we're going to do is just chat for like 20 minutes, you know, not not a ton of time. Um, And the idea is just to give people an idea, you know, who you guys are and what to expect from you at the show. Probably everybody knows who you guys are in the photography world, but we'll pretend that they don't. So why don't you start off just by introducing yourselves and giving like a little bit of an idea about what you do? Sure. So I'm Kendrick Brinson and... uh, And I'm David Walter Banks. (laughs) We are a married couple and we're also a photography team. And uh, we both started photography by working at newspapers as photojournalists. We both worked... Um, at kind of smaller newspapers and kind of that's where we learned how to be a great portrait photographer, how to be a great documentary photographer. We kind of had to learn how to do everything, every style of photography, which um, once we left newspapers, we kind of missed being able to do everything. So it was uh, an interesting leap becoming uh, freelancers and commercial photographers after that. But it was the great, great place to get the skills to kind of sample each type of photography. Yeah, and I don't know if we learned to be great photographers there, but we just learned how to uh, handle a lot of different situations. Well, you had to get a photo that was good enough to publish every single day, is what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And how did you guys go from... Okay, first of all, tell me where you guys did that. Not at the same paper, I'm assuming, or... Sure, yeah, so um, we both started off uh, at... Uh, internships at newspapers. Uh, mine was uh, right, you know, right after college, and mine was at a place called the Chattanooga Times Free Press, yes. and, um, which was a really, really wonderful photo paper um, at the time. And I was mentored by a really great uh, director of photography named Billy Weeks there. And, uh, you know, for me, that was a kind of big part of my development. And the only reason why uh, I was able to get my first newspaper job, which was, uh, you know, staff job, which was at a newspaper in Athens, Georgia, called the Athens Banner Herald. And that was also a nice uh, transition for me into real life because I started working there full time. It was in Athens, Georgia, where I went to the University of Georgia, where uh, Kendrick and I both found photography uh, under a, a teacher named Jim Verga, who now teaches at University of Miami. But we we didn't really uh, get uh, extended formal training. It was just kind of three three classes, but it was enough from an very, very inspiring man to, uh, I guess, just kind of give us the excitement and push we needed to chase this thing we love. Um, and Kendrick started off in a, a similar way at a... Yeah, so I think we both, like David was talking about, we both got really inspired by a professor at University of Georgia, and that's where David and I met. We weren't a couple then, but we both knew each other's photography, and we worked at a daily student paper... And I think it right that moment for me, and I think also for David, is it kind of expanded. We were both at this giant university, and it kind of expanded our scope of the people we would meet. We were all of a sudden at the front lines of the football game, and I was, you know, photographing Greek life, a part that I – another, you know, community that I wasn't a part of. We were kind of just being exposed to all these communities within the university that we never knew about. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was very eye-opening. And 
I'm a pretty shy person. So I kind of had to learn how to go up to strangers and, and ask them to take their photo. Um, mm-hmm. So once I graduated, I did an internship in Pennsylvania and then I did another one in, um, right outside Baltimore, Maryland. And then I worked at a newspaper in North Carolina. And then I worked at a newspaper in Augusta, Georgia called the Augusta Chronicle. So we were both, I mean, these were both small newspapers, but we both worked with staffs of like six or seven photographers. And there was, you know, the veterans on the newspaper staffs that were, there was the guy who was really good at studio lighting that we got to kind of learn from. And I just feel like whenever I'm talking to young photographers, I think it's, newspaper industry is really changing and it's more difficult to get, are you still there? Oh yeah, I'm still here. Sorry. Um, it's, it's a difficult industry to get into now because it's really shrinking and it's changing, but it was just the best training ground because I got to learn so much about my community that I was living in with my camera. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, uh, so we were still pretty fresh out of school and working at these newspapers. And at that point, the newspaper industry was going through a dramatic shift or really even before we started working in them. And um, a lot of people were being laid off. And we basically, I think maybe me a little bit more than Kendrick, always pictured myself working uh, on my own for myself with my own company eventually. Mm. And since I was young and didn't have a lot to lose and didn't have, you know, a, a mortgage or really much in the way of responsibilities, I kind of decided it was time to jump ship, j- jump ship, jump ship mm-hmm. and dive into the world of freelance. And um, I did that in Atlanta, Georgia, because it was uh, you know, it was, I had grown up in the suburbs of the city and never really experienced the city. And it was kind of a hub in the South where I could get the attention of and get assignments from some larger publications that, you know, might not have been as easy to reach if I was in a larger market like New York or Los Angeles, where we are now. Right. Um, and Kendrick, uh, for the first, I guess, Maybe six, nine months I was freelancing, kept uh, working at the newspaper where she was, and uh, then at some point... um, Yeah, I moved to Atlanta, too. So we... In between those internships and jobs, we start decided to start dating when we lived, I think, like eight and a half hours apart from each other. <laughs> so, Very convenient. Nice. That was basically we would, you know, work work all week and then play all weekend. We would commute back and forth to see each other. And I decided to start dating. Kendrick means she started flirting with me online, and Please. then I came to visits and. Uh, things sort of unfolded very quickly thereafter. Yeah, I was going to say, I like how you said, we decided to start dating. Like you knew each other and then you had a little meeting and you're like, let's do <laughs> Okay, so here's a spreadsheet of why you should date me. <laughs> I realize we have this distance situation, but everything else is lining up. We both like photos and you're cute, so let's make it work. <laughs> what do you need, right? <laughs> exactly. So yeah, so after, I mean, you know, I, I think it was almost two years of uh, dating that we were long distance there in the beginning. And then eventually uh, Kendrick uh, left the security of the newspaper paycheck as well and joined me in Atlanta. And there we 
freelance, uh, did mainly documentary or, you know, our, our kind of passion at that point was all documentary work. Um, and so we started working for newspapers like the New York times and the wall street journal when they needed things in the South, we were kind of, you know, uh, that was the place that they called, even though we were traveling to a lot of States around us. Um, and uh, it was also a city where kind of when, you know, more national stories needed to be localized, they would look for a, a subject there. So for us, it was a, a good place, like I say, to kind of get in, you know, get our feet wet in the freelance world. And um, it was also where I guess our work started to evolve a little because we have never stopped loving documentary work and still take those assignments any chance we get. But so much of the magazine work, you know, it would be a larger story, but they needed to get something. And, and even more so with the daily newspaper work, they needed something to illustrate it quickly. So we were called a lot for portraits and where both of us, you know, didn't start off uh, being extraordinarily comfortable with that. We got more comfortable with it and more excited with this idea of, you know, we could do our documentary work, be the fly on the wall. And then with this, we got to have a little bit more control and we got to, you know, look for the light that we always hoped our documentary subject would walk into and sit them down there and then, you know, figure out how to basically come into any bedroom or you know park or sometimes we joke we could make a good portrait in a porta potty if we had to um and you know just kind of look around and decide how we could build a portrait in that scene in that environment um and and i think that really served you know we've we are now we do commercial photography as well as the magazine work and i think that served our commercial photography because We'd already gotten the building blocks of how to be a good fly-on-the-wall documentary photographer. And then we figured out how to direct people and how to light people. And combining that strength of like natural light and being able to react on how people are moving and then how to direct, that's basically what we do for our big lifestyle campaigns is we will ask people, we'll set them up with an action, but we'll, we'll plan it beforehand but we know what looks good naturally because we've been documenting real people for so long and we know how to make you know somebody who's very uncomfortable comfortable for the camera so when we work with a model or an actor who's already used to being on camera it feels really easy (laughs) yeah yeah that seems like a good path that you went like you said such a good foundation to have to sort of just work with what's happening to then suddenly be able to have some control over what's happening yeah and i don't think it would have it would have never started organically the other way around for us because we were both so drawn to that photojournalism style. And we both liked, you know, having to move our own bodies instead of direct the person we were photographing. So it kind of evolved naturally. If you told me, you know, 10 years ago that I was going to be photographing celebrities, I would be like, no, I don't, I don't like doing portraiture. I don't like telling people what to do. I'd rather, you know, switch my lens and move to the other side of the room and figure out how to make a good photo by just moving myself. So it's, it's interesting just how our styles have developed over time and kind of each thing has moved us to the next step and given us the skills that make us even better at the next step, but it never would have worked out that way if I had planned it, I don't think. Yeah. And and that's something that we are going to touch on in our talk. Um, you know, we're going to, 
basically talk about keeping the passion alive in what we do throughout a career and keeping the creativity and keeping work fresh. And, you know, we've, we've titled it uh, work that pays the soul and not the bills uh, in a way, but really in an ideal world that work does come to pay the bills eventually. And so we're going to touch on not just, uh, personal work and creating work that inspires you and pushes you forward and challenges you, but also about how that evolves over time and how that evolution is okay. And how, you know, sometimes for us anyway, that evolution is the only way that we feel that we're still moving forward. Um, and at the same time, like I say, we've never quit doing documentary work and we still love to do that and have worked on projects of that nature for both editorial publications and um, just personal fulfillment in recent years. But it was all of those things that help, like Kendrick said, create those building blocks that allow us to uh, feel like we've developed some sort of style with our, you know, the celebrity portraiture work and the lifestyle advertising work that we do now. I don't think the same thing I don't think we would have created the same thing had we not had all of those steps ahead of time. Um, right. And for us, it's also even a little different because when we decided that we wanted to leave Atlanta and while continuing to work for the editorial publications, move to a larger market, which for us, we chose Los Angeles and goodness, I forgot where I was just going with that. Um, <laughs> So basically when we, well, we moved to LA with the intention of kind of becoming commercial photographers. We, we tried to start, we were working separately for years doing magazine work and newspaper work. And we realized that we loved working together and we thought of ways that we could do that. And we decided we would, you know, create a brand together and both of us love, uh, color And so that was something we were always drawn to in all of our work. So we basically had to create, we moved to LA, left a lot of our normal clients, had to save up money. It was pretty terrifying. And we were creating something new and different together. And we had to do that by create, making the work because to get hired for the work, you have to have the work to show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and thank you, Kendrick. And that's what I was saying that it was a little, it was also a little bit different for us because we were not only just evolving our own work, but really had this chance to kind of create an entire other individual. And, you know, as we were starting off creating this new brand that was us together, like Kendrick said, we just had to go and make new work. And as we did that, something sort of, uh, I guess, bubbled to the surface that wasn't really what either of us was or what we were before. And it was a really exciting adventure to make this new identity. And um, uh, again, I I don't think either of us as individuals uh, would be as strong as what we do if we hadn't gone through that. So for us, it's, you know, not just about keeping this passion alive, but allowing yourself to be okay that, you know, your goals of yesterday might not be the same as today. And the work that you want, thought you wanted to pursue 10 years ago might not be the same as today. And that's okay. It's uh, all part of the process and it's all part of what keeps what we do exciting and fresh for us anyway. 
was the two of you working together? If it's looking, looking at your at photos, photos like, like, where is the Brinson? Where is the Banks? Do you guys have like roles that you always do want to shoot? Like Kendrick takes care of this and David does that, or is it always interchanging? Like what do you guys each kind of bring to your partnership? I think for, in terms of photos, you, anyone who knew us has known our work for years would not be able to guess who took what photo because it's both, it's important to both of us to, to have equal time behind the camera at any shoot. And whenever we can, we both are behind the camera at the same time. But obviously if you're photographing Julia Roberts, you only have 10 minutes and that means I've got four minutes and David's got four minutes. Cause we know they're only going to give us eight minutes. Um, yeah. so we like for something for a celebrity shoot, one of us comes up with an idea. The other one tweaks it. The other one starts lighting it. Another one tweaks it. So we kind of, everything is building up. Um, and it's not, it's not just David's and it's not just mine. Um, even if he's pushing the button, you know, maybe I suggested we'd go with the orange backdrop and then he suggested we go with the blue gel and it kind of is just an evolution. And we've, we've been working or we've been a couple for uh, 12 years now and we kind of have like an unspoken dance we're doing on a shoot where we just kind of, I know what he's thinking and, and he kind of knows what I'm thinking. It's, it's kind of just like this unspoken connection. That's really nice. And um, so I think, I think we do have different strengths. Um, and I do think David, David's better at lighting and I can come up with concepts, but he's really, uh, and he comes up with concepts too, but he's really good at making it happen. And I'm with our business. We have, you know, certain roles where we use each other's strengths and one of the, David's good at design. He does that. I do social media. And so there, there are divisions in our company in that way where we can really play up what we're good at. But in terms of the photos, they're both our photos and, and it's important to me and David that we're both taking them. So it's, you know, sometimes like I know, Oh, his photo got used in the front of the magazine and they only used a small one of mine, but I had already come up with that idea. You know, it's not, it's not really his or mine. It's ours. And that's a really cool thing to, to me too, because going from a documentary photographer, it's very much, it might not be an ego thing, but it is very much, I decided to do this and I went over here at this time when the light was good. And it's all about my decisions. And for a commercial shoot, there's so many people on set who are there that are all working to make the photo better, whether it's the model, the stylist, the hair and makeup, the creative director, there's uh, so many people that are there all making the photo with you. So it's not my photo. It's not David's photo. It's all of our photo. And it was an interesting, you know, shift to start doing that. And it's, it's really cool. Cause it's, you get this feeling of like, this is a huge collaboration of all these people are here to get this one photo. And it doesn't just because I happen to click the shutter. I mean, it wouldn't have had the blue polka dot bathing suit if the woman hadn't decided, Oh, that looks cool with the blue sky and the blue towel, you know? So it's not, it's not just mine anymore. And I think that is something that that shifted because it was always just mine when I first started. And, you know, and, and like Kendrick said, that was a, a really great learning experience for us uh, initially as we started working together and on smaller shoots, how we had to let go a little bit of the control and trust the other person, you know, so that we could create something together. And, and as we, you know, move forward to having more people on set, more minds involved, it was uh, an extremely, I think, healthy skill set. You know, when, when we sit down with our 
first assistant to talk about a big commercial shoot, I don't sit there and list out a bunch of stuff I want him to have and how we want him to do it. I talk through the creative and how we want things to feel. And then I say, all right, you know, this is, this is your job. This is your part. What do you want there? I want you to have the equipment that you feel comfortable with. And, you know, of course I might have notes as things are getting set up or something like that, but we try to work with people that we know care and have the same, you know, level of quality in their work and then really trust them to do their thing and let them go, you know? Mm-hmm. And at, at this point, do you guys have to market for for work, or does it just like come to you? No, we. I, I think I have with uh, with our rep. I think we have visited close to a little under forty ad agencies this year in New York, and San Francisco, and Chicago, and Los Angeles. Um, we just got done sending out a whole round of postcards to our editorial clients and ones that we hope will be our editorial clients in the future. Um, we just received a trifold postcard in the mail that has our lifestyle advertising work on, and we'll be sending that to as many of the names of the you know, 35 or so agencies that we've met with to say, Hey, remember that great meeting we had? Uh, we still want to work with you. Yeah. I think that's, um, a mistake that photographers can make is when they find success that they get lazy, they stop creating work that, that they're excited about on their own and they stop marketing. And because we've, you know, seen so many shifts in the industry and everything does seem to be shrinking in every industry that we go into. And it, it seems to happen right around the time we're shifting into it from newspapers to magazines <laughs> to advertising. But I think it's important to keep uh, doing that. Even if you're, you're getting all the work you want is those are two very important things is to keep shooting photos just for you because that's your style. And that's really important to me to keep nurturing photography and not just taking photos because I'm getting paid because I really love photography. I love that I can make a living at it, but it's important to me that I don't burn out and I can stay excited about it. And also to just try and find new clients who've never heard of you. And there's so many amazing photographers out there that it's easy to be forgotten. Um, and so, or it's easy to, that someone hasn't heard of you yet. I would never assume that people have heard of me before I've walked into a room. And I think it's, it's just good to keep, keep fresh and keep introducing yourself and to keep, keep doing the grind because I don't want the work to dry up and I don't want to have to find another job. (laughs) I love what I do. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that was a really earnest question for me and I'm not a photographer. Maybe photographers know this, but I, I was thinking, you know, before we were chatting, like, do you guys just get flooded with emails of like cool people to take photos of? Because I feel like lots of people would be aware of your brand and, and you do amazing stuff. And I think probably like younger photographers probably or newer photographers imagine like you reach this nirvana where you just have to stop trying and and magically fall. So hearing that you're like out at agencies and stuff like that, I think is, is good, useful information. Yeah, Yeah. I think, I think it's, so social media, it's so easy to look at, at other people's work and to think that it's just coming to them with no, with no effort. And I think there are the people who somehow win the lottery in that sense, but I think their work, you know, like they, it's a mistake to not keep trying and not keep putting yourself out there. Cause I do think it will dry up and it's easy to just look on Instagram and think it's just coming. And it's so easy. And look at her. She's so lucky. Why doesn't that happen to me? You have to go make it happen. 
And mm-hmm. that's like a trap of social media that I fall into sometimes. And I'm like, what, what am I talking about? I'm doing an amazing shoot tomorrow and I can do another one the next day. And it's kind of on your shoulders. And that's, that's kind of the thing that sucks too, about being an artist that has to also be a business person. Totally. And a lot of people also think that, oh, well, they have a rep and that person's just getting them all the work. And yes, we do. And she is working her tail off for us all the time, but it only works because we're working just as hard. And all having that person means is that there's someone else out there, you know, shouting your name and dropping, you know, notes and reminders. And, uh, but really, if we're not doing our part, then we're failing her. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And so, way up north. Now, how did you guys come in? Come to be involved with way up north? Did you know the guys there, or did someone recommend you? Or do you, you even know, know? We're not really sure. They they reached out to us, and uh, we jumped at an exciting chance to you know, come and talk with people and hopefully give back a little of what we've learned or got excited about over the years. And uh, we also love to travel. So uh, for us, it was, I don't know, just an exciting opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of, uh, we we do talk at um, at least like once a year or twice a year at different conferences. And I think it's good because it helps us keep accountable to what we say. And half of what we're saying is just a pep talk to ourselves. <laughs> so it's a good reminder to, you know, practice what we preach. Nice. Yeah. I think, um, the first person that, that had ever mentioned your guys's name to me was one of my good friends here in Vancouver who also works on the way up North team. So maybe it was him that put the bug in the ear. Well, yeah. He was like, you have to, you have to follow this account on Instagram. These two people are so cool. And, uh, <laughs> and you are, and your account is very colorful, which I do appreciate greatly. Um, how is, oh, how is like, how is Instagram a part of your world? Like, do you feel like it's a useful thing? Um, I do. I, I think it's nice that I can stay in contact with my clients that way, you know, and, and when you get done with an advertising shoot, it's a little different than other shoots because you've spent like three or four days, 12 hour days with someone. Um, Mm -hmm. and you, you kind of get to know them and then all of a sudden you don't see them again for maybe a year or two. So it's nice to be like, Oh, she has a beautiful child and Oh, like she's on a trip. It's just like a nice way of me being reminded of how much I liked, you know, working for that person and her being reminded that we're still making great work. It's just a, a really awesome passive advertisement that I could put out there and still be authentic to like, I love photography. This is what our work looks like. It doesn't feel like, cause so much of we're all bombarded by emails every day. So, and so this is not just like something, another thing that you have to do. You might just happen to have a minute at lunch and you're scrolling through Instagram and you see our photo, then that's basically an ad for us. But it's like I said, like a genuine thing of like, here's a beautiful experience we had. So it doesn't feel like we're kind of like knocking on the door being like, hire us. It's more of just like a passive Hey, this is what we're up to. This is what you're up to. And you kind of get to have a little exchange without any pressure. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And you mentioned you guys have talked a lot at conferences or a few times a year. So does that mean you will be like 0% nervous before hitting the stage? Uh, no. Kendrick oh, will, will probably make an announcement about how nervous uh, she I'm, is. I'm sweating profusely right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, mean, I, th- I think both, for both of us, photography has is, is also been about that, though, been about kind of facing things that make you uncomfortable and learning to walk up to a stranger because they're standing in beautiful light and you want to introduce yourself to them and take their photograph. Um, and, you know, the, the public speaking is kind of an extension of that, you know, I mean, it's, it's not necessarily easy to do for us, but so many of the rewarding, fulfilling things in life aren't easy to do. What do you hope when, uh, when your, when your talk is, is said and done that people kind of leave with, like, what will, what do you want them to be thinking or feeling after your talk? I hope that people are inspired to go create something new and, and kind of pushing outside of your comfort zone. A lot of David's in my work, you might see like a weird sparkle dust or something in the photo. And that's we learned that by doing something on accident while we were shooting for fun. And we're like, oh, let's do that again. And it's important to both of us that all of our photos are really what you're seeing. We're not, I don't have any problem with people doing stuff in Photoshop, but we both came from that strict ethics photojournalism background that any weird stuff we had to figure out how to do it in camera. But if so, if we could just inspire someone to be like, oh, I want to start, you know, a project where every two weeks I'm photographing a new friend and shooting them in my studio because I'm trying to figure out how to light stuff. You know, just something something new that gets them excited about taking photos. That would be the best uh, compliment if that happened. Yeah, and, and just to kind of help remind people that they probably didn't get into photography for the money. I mean, they may be bogged down by it feeling repetitive or the business of everything or work not coming in exactly as they hope. But uh, hopefully we can remind everyone that they probably started this because they love it. And that same passion and excitement is underneath just waiting for them to resuscitate it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Perfect. That sounds like a good talk. Have you guys worked out like your entire talk or not started it yet? You can be honest. Um, it's an evolution in our brains right now. <laughs> yeah, there's, I mean, uh, I, I feel like it is worked out, but uh, the presentation we, ready. we have to figure out how to organize it on paper and, uh, you know, flow through and hit everything that we want to hit without sounding like a schizophrenic talking and stream of consciousness. You know, <laughs> the thing is also is we're always bouncing from project to project to project, but it's finally, this one is coming up soon. And we just finished, you know, mm-hmm. something for time, something for national geographic, something for a big company that makes cell phones. Like we, it almost, it was so triaged that it was so far back that I didn't have to worry about it. Now it's like, Oh, it's coming up. We might need to find a hotel for, we're going to Paris before we might need to, we might need to start planning this thing. Cause it's not a year away anymore, but, but we, have, yeah. we have similar themes that are kind of always running through our heads. And so it'll kind of just be hashing those out in a way that hopefully helps people. Yeah. And again, yeah. for us, you know, uh, uh, creating these talks is always sort of a, opportunity to take stock, uh, in, in ourself and in our own head and our own work and figure out like, well, you know, what are, what are the things that we want to tell ourselves? And then it ends up being, I think, you know, we're able to reach people sometimes because it means something to us and we are passionate about it. And, uh, you know, it, it comes from, 
the heart. We're not just blowing smoke. We're uh, telling people what we need to hear, and hopefully that resonates with some of them. Yeah, and I'm sure that it will, but that's nice. Do it for you, and it'll work for everyone else, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, God, now that sounds selfish. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think that I think it's going to be perfect. I can tell just from chatting with you guys right now that you're going to do just fine up there. Thank you. Um, <laughs> And what about, what about this? Okay. I just wanted to ask, I know it's been like half an hour and I'm sure you want to get back to your vacay. So last question and the dog is going to start barking. Excellent. We love dogs. Um, is there any photo or shoot and like separate question to each of you that stands out in your mind as a favorite you've done? It's, it's it's tough because you know as a photographer sometimes it's hard to separate the photograph from the experience so for me uh, one a shoot that's been i think one of the biggest blessings for me is uh Kendrick and I love to travel and camp and you know we of course shoot photos of each other and our dogs and whatever while we're doing that and uh we got an opportunity to pitch something and um through uh you know a, a client that we'd been in communication with for a while and we got the pitch uh you know over the course of a year we got uh, for Samsung we got to go to both Kauai and Iceland and basically shoot photos with their, you know, show what a tourist could do with their cell phone. So, you know, I, I basically got paid for a client who was pushing us to be creative and shoot photos just exactly how we would want to if no one was looking and travel around these beautiful places and shoot photographs of my wife and epic waterfalls. And um, I think for me, you know, they might not be the photos that have gone on to be the star of our portfolio, uh, although some of them are definitely in our portfolio book. But they mean a lot to me because of the experience that we got to share while creating them. Mm -hmm. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah, I think for me, I really love taking photos when I connect with someone. So sometimes it's not the best. Sometimes I come back and I think I just killed it. I did so good for this magazine because I really just sat down and had like a vulnerable conversation with a complete stranger. And that's a pretty special thing to just be welcomed into someone's house and to, to photograph them because it's so it's a very vulnerable place to be in to be photographed by someone. And I always try to remember that, how uncomfortable it can be. Um so I don't know if it's very specific, like a specific shoot, because the photos might not have been the best, but any time that I can have that, you know, quiet connection with someone and kind of just get to learn about them, even if it's just making small talk, I really, really value that because like I said, I'm introverted and shy. And so the camera kind of gives me this courage to talk to people in ways that I wouldn't without it. And, and I really love that. And that it's harder to get that with the celebrity shoots because it's only a couple of minutes. And that's the celebrity shoots are special because David and I, I get to look across the room and he's smiling and sweaty and I'm smiling and sweaty and we're creating something <laughs> together. And so it's, there's, there's different things that I love from each, each kind of like style of photography that we do. And I'll have to think on it. <laughs> yeah, fair, I feel fair, like depending fair. on my mood, I might give you a different answer. <laughs> I like it. And then, and then David mentioned, your dogs. And then I had to like immediately 
creep your dogs on your on Kendrick's Instagram account. Tux and Tia, right? Yes, Tux and Tia. Tux is our newer dog, and he is we we got him by accident, kind of. Well, our our beloved pit bull died last year, and we we're like. Or we thought Tia still needed a friend because she was best friends with our dog that had passed away. And so we just went to look at the Humane Society, which, of course, like even when we were driving there, we were like, we shouldn't do this. What are we doing? And we just kept driving. <laughs> well, you know there. how this is going to end. Yeah. We go there and we pick out like five dogs that we want to, you know, have time in this like ungated area where you can get kind of just pet them and see what they're like. And then mm-hmm. we narrowed that down, I think, to two. And then we came back with Tia the next day. So Tia could meet them. And they brought a, the wrong dog, basically. And we immediately, it was not, he was bigger than we wanted. He was a male when we wanted a female. And he just immediately, like, got between David's legs and just kind of leaned on him. And when I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> You've been chosen. <laughs> yeah, he's got a giant beast. Uh, he's kind of a rhinoceros in the way he acts. But we're, he's really growing on us. It's been about a year. We also have two cats. So we have... A, a full house. A small house in LA that's full of a, a dander. <laughs> we welcome uh, Zyrtec and Allegra before coming to our house. <laughs> yes. How did we talk for 37 minutes before we found out that you are my people? <laughs> yeah, we're crazy Thank animal you. people. Oh, goodness. And, and our pet sitter, who uh, probably we give, I don't know, maybe half of our salary to with how much we uh, travel, she yeah. is fortunately also an amazing dog trainer and our dogs get to go and stay with her and then we just get to watch her instagram stories which is just like a dog circus playland in her backyard so uh we get to watch our our furry ones having a better time uh when we're gone than when we're there but yeah yeah whenever we're traveling i and I dog walks past me, I'm like, I'll casually reach out my hand because it's like I have to pet an animal every two days or I start dying a little bit. <laughs> yes, it's so true. I feel like people often say, like, how can you have how can you have all these pets when you have to travel so much? I'm like, you just need a team. You need a solid team. And <laughs> it's worth it. Make it work. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. Well, I feel like everyone at Way Up North that doesn't like dogs probably hates that I host the podcast because I always somehow end up here. Nice. You're like, enough so, about photography. Let's talk about dogs. Let's talk about your dog. Yeah. I try to let some people talk about their children, although I don't have those, so I, I just tolerate it. But really, I want to hear about your dog. Um, okay, cool. Well, thank you so much, you guys. I'll let you get back to your vacay. Thank you. And, uh, and look forward to... I guess we're, what are we, a month and a half away now? You got some time yeah. to get, you, get your shit figured out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it'll be good. Awesome. Okay, well, we will see you in Germany. All right, thank you. Excited. See you soon. This is ACAST Recommends. Every week we pick one of our favorite shows and this is one we think you're going to love. Hi folks, this is Rick Wilson from The Daily Beast's The New Abnormal. And I'm Molly Jongfast, a left-wing pundit and editor-at-large at The Daily Beast. I'm also an editor-at-large at The Daily Beast, a former Republican political strategist, best-selling author, and full-time troublemaker. Every Tuesday and Friday, we have fun, sharp conversations with people like Mary Trump, who reveal why her uncle is the worst president we've ever had. Or Ben Stiller on how the world of comedy is changing thanks to our political landscape. Tune in to The New Abnormal to hear us have fun conversations about a world gone mad.
ACAST is home to the biggest podcast from the U.S. and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via ACAST or wherever you get your podcasts.